Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. This podcast was recorded at our last gathering. Teaching like this is how we worship together every other week. We look to the scriptures seeking to become more like Christ. We're glad you're listening. Thank you, Ange. <clears throat> we've, we've already had a very full morning, wouldn't you say? But I love how this whole section cleared out. Um, <laughs> I wanted to begin um, the time of teaching this morning just saying thank you so much. Um, Mary and I were sitting in the back last gathering, and you all, I'm glad my pants stayed on because I felt like they could have just like blown off because I was just never, I, I don't know if I said that, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> there was some thing, anyways, I'm still struggling. My mind has been in a fog, Mayor's like, what is happening? She's like, I'm so glad he's not sitting next to me right now. Blew my socks off, that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Good night. Um, but I can honestly say I've been totally, totally distracted uh, by your kingdom mischief, your extreme generosity, your love, and your support that you showed my family throughout the years. And um, what you all did last gathering was, I'm going to switch over to this because this thing cuts out all the time, and it's all good. Um, what you all, what you all did at last gathering was felt as a deep affirmation of God's calling on my life and ministry. And I didn't expect that. It didn't have the expectation that I was going to walk away from the second gathering of January feeling this incredible affirmation of God's calling on my life and ministry. And so I just wanted to say for my family, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's so good to be part of this community. And not just because of these unbelievable, mischievous things that you all are up to all the time um, that have directly impacted me, but the way you all have impacted the community to sit, uh, I had a hockey game that night, which praise God, I had a hockey game that night <laughs> because I needed to get out some of this mind fog. And um, someone was like, oh, what'd you do today? And I was like, well, it's like probably the most incredible thing that's ever happened in my life. I said, my church, um, you know, I said, just shared briefly the story about the, the grant process. And I said, and, and I didn't get it. And it was really hard. And, and my church surprised me by exceeding the grant. And um, the, the guy looked at me, he's like, no, and then he used a phrase that I won't use, like pants or socks. Um, and then he's like, that sounds like a really cool church. And so, like, I just want to tell you guys, like, what, what you have done for me, and not just for me, but for our pastors and our future pastors who are going to be in India and Pakistan, and what you've done for um, the, the lady up here who has a new roof, and what you've done for the woman and her, or the single mom and her child who now have heat in their house, like you are telling a different story. And that's a story of a generous God who deeply is concerned with everybody. And so I'm just super grateful. I'm gonna struggle to get through this today. Cause like I said, I blame it on you. I've been in a brain fog um, for two weeks now, just because I, I, I still feel speechless. And when I do speak, I normally say dumb things. Uh, so 
Yeah, I just want to ask that you'd stand. One of the things that's really cool is um, in, in different traditions, when the gospel is read, uh, the church stands. And I, I really appreciate that because there's something about calling us to attention. And so uh, I'm reading from Luke chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, you're more than welcome to open up to that. And we're going to camp out in here for this morning. And it says this, and I'm starting in verse 1. Um, but this, this, is a really, this is a really powerful story. When Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons, to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt or pants, whatever, I added that, whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave that town and village, shake the dust off your feet as a testament against them. So that, so they set out and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys take a seat. So this past week at our house church, um, house churches across the area, we read a good chunk of the Jesus story found right before uh, what I just read. And so Luke's account is really fascinating because he, he's a doctor. He's, he, he thinks through things in very specific terms. And he's doing unbelievable things as he tells the story of Jesus through his account. And so if we just, if we can kind of hit the rewind button, uh, Luke 8 is this wild story. Jesus calms a storm uh, at sea. Uh, He drives out a demon. Um, He sets out to heal a prominent figure, sick and dying daughter, and he's interrupted and heals a woman with bleeding. And then he brings the sick girl back to life uh, who had happened to die on his journey to meet her. And so what I found so fascinating as we talked about in our house church last week is that um, we looked at both the way empathy and prophecy have really mixed together in these stories. Uh, And we see the miraculous, but sometimes we can miss the miracle of empathy that's taking place. And it's easy to miss the empathetic moves at times when we look at Jesus and we look at the ministry. Um, but, But what we do see is this that Jesus responds to the disciples' fear as the waves are crashing and as the boat, as the storm is raging. Uh, Jesus sees a crazy naked man without any pants on, and he asks him his name. He asks him his name. We see Jesus calling the nameless woman out of the faceless crowd to restore her dignity. And we see Jesus raising the prominent figure's daughter by answering the call of a dad's uh, longing and compassion for his daughter to be well. And Ben said it so well last gathering, empathy communicates worthiness. You are worthy of my presence and of my care, and I want to be with you even in the midst of this really hard thing. And so as I think about the stories that we've just read, if we can, as we've just recalled, as we think through them, the story of the storm, the story of the major interruptions, the story of the person who has a multitude of demons in him, one of the things that we have to work hard to do is what are the disciples experiencing as they're watching this? Jesus isn't alone. 
He's with the 12. He's with probably a few others. And so what are they seeing? What are they experiencing? What are they feeling? And so I want to just like call us to a moment or two of our of engaging our imaginations. What are these men and women who are following Jesus? What are they what are they seeing? And so I think some of us would say they're amazed, right? That feels like a, a, something that I would be. They're, they're probably curious, like, what, how is he doing this? What's going on? They're probably horrified. Um, I don't know about you, but last time a naked man came running up to, to me, I didn't, like, move forward and ask his name. Like, I can just see the disciples, like, sort of pushing Jesus forward as they walk backwards. They're probably a little bit confused, and they're probably coming to the place of, of, of understanding this, like when, when, when a rabbi calls people to follow him, when he calls his disciples, what that means in ancient Jewish context is that everything that they're watching the teacher, everything they're watching Jesus do, that's what Jesus is expecting of them. So this is wild. And so then we come to the, to the passage, to the story that I just read. And so Jesus, he has the 12 together, and he gives them power and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases, and he sends them to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. I want to read that again, because these stories, the, the, a lot of times we, we kind of mess you guys up because we'll, we'll teach on a passage, and we'll tell you all the good stuff about it but we miss that it, it falls in the context of a story. Imagine me saying, hey, Aubrey, I want you to watch this great scene in a film. It's 13 minutes and 76, 13 minutes and 56 seconds in through like 1520. And you pull it up and you watch that segment. You're like, wow, that was really powerful. But when you miss the whole story, you just, you miss parts of it. And so I want us to think about what is happening in this. So all these things have happened. And then this is what happens. Jesus calls the 12, gives them a power and authority to drive out the demons, to cure diseases. And he sends them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off their feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. If we are the disciples of Christ, then I want us to understand that this is not stuck. This passage is not stuck in ancient context, but it comes to us fresh and it comes to us alive today. Like this calling isn't just for 12 people who are hanging out with Jesus, but this calling is for people that have said that they want to follow Jesus even now. And so what, what would it be like if Jesus wanted us to live this kind of life as a community, this, this life that drives out demons, that cures diseases, that sends people out proclaiming the kingdom of God and healing the sick. Some of us are like, amen. Some of us are Googling other churches as we speak. And I get that because there is something about this that is a little bit unnerving because it does feel really foreign to the way most of us have understood what it means to follow Jesus. Um, I wanna share just a little bit of my journey as I've been leaning in and trusting the spirit in this past year and over my lifetime. And I can honestly say these last 12 months have been the most stretching uh, and the most healing and yet they've brought me to a place of recognizing how good God is. 
Um, it has brought me to, to the, the, the declaration of my life that God is good, he's for us, and life is hard. There's tension. I don't know how to explain a lot of these things, but I know that these things are true. And so I think what we've been noticing as a community is we're seeing this as a way that we are growing in the prophetic. And what that means, and I want to kind of define that, because when we think prophetic, a lot of us run in all kinds of different circles, and we'll get to some of those things. But prophetic is this. It's catching the heart of God towards and for another person. It is deeply tied to the ministry of reconciliation. We need to think John the Baptist, John the Baptist shows up in the wilderness and he's preaching people to repent. He's calling people back to the kind heart of God, saying, come step in to this new life that God has. It's exposing God's kindness and goodness to a world that is starving for kindness and goodness. And it's being distributed by not the kingdom of, it's being disrupted constantly by the not kingdom of heaven realities that we see around us. So let me say this again. Prophetic is catching the heart of God towards and for another person. It is deeply connected to the ministry of reconciliation. It's exposing God's kindness and goodness to a world that is starved for God's kindness and goodness. And so as modern people, we are super quick to dismiss the power and the authority of Jesus. And we're very quick to say, let me just huddle and cuddle with you for a while. And that's important. And empathy is important. And it brings us to really good places. We need to keep growing in that. What we don't need is a cold-hearted church that just kind of shoves people out after we don't see what we're hoping happens. But we have to understand that some of us, some of what is happening in our own life as we think about the tension of what it is to grow in the prophetic, to believe that when Jesus calls these 12 people to do this thing, it's not just stuck for them, but it's actually part of our inheritance as well. Some of that comes from our own disappointment. And I remember very early on in my story, I I radically met Jesus as like a 19-year-old kid. Uh, I mean, I was blessed enough to grow up in the church, but I met a really different Jesus than the one that I met in the church. And I remember like, just falling in love with this guy. And it's like everything I read in scripture, I was like, I can do that. Wow, Jesus says I can do it. I can do it. I had this really simple faith and I loved it. And it was like the most exciting life-giving. Anyone ever been there before? No, okay, some of us have, right? And then what happens is we come against something that's difficult. And for me, I can think of two really hard things that happen. First thing is uh, there was a young woman who was uh, associated with our church and she had a terminal illness and she died at a young age. I remember the day she died like it was yesterday. I can call the memory in my head. We were gathered at youth group uh, in the morning. We had Sunday school. I don't know if you guys remember that, Um, but we had this thing called Sunday school. And it was one of these moments where we gathered and like a bunch, I was like, I just think we need to pray that God heals her. And so me and a bunch of kids get, get around and we're praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, praying for healing and she died. And it was one of those moments where I thought, oh, well, I wonder what that's all about. And then I got scolded by a lovely saint and, and I get it. And, and, you know, she really helped shape some of my theology in this. she said, listen, sometimes the greatest healing that ever happens is them going home to be with the Lord. And that was like this really, it was like a check. I felt like I was like a full on pedal to the metal, hundred miles an hour. And it kind of backed me off to like 80 miles an hour. And then I had this other moment where a student came into my office and really struggling with depression. About six months earlier, there was, uh, there was an overdose issue and with some pills and all kinds of insane things. And uh, she sat in my office. She said, if God really loves me, what am I thinking about right now? 
And I just remember thinking, I got nothing. Um, that he loves you. And she just walked out and we never saw her again. So like I had these like two really deep wounds from like beginning to, to like press into this. And then I like what happened was, I think what happens to many of us is we then switch to be like, okay, maybe that's not really right. So maybe I'll just kind of push it all to my head and I'll just become really theological. And that was helpful for a season and I'm really grateful for that. But I think what happened is the more I've been following Jesus over my lifetime, the more I've been realizing that those, 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 those things that happened in my life those years ago, they kind of attached some really bad theology to me, like unscriptural theology. That like, even though I didn't see what I wanted, I'm grateful that I prayed that way. Even though we didn't, you know, I didn't have a word for this young woman, I, I really believe that God did have a word for her in that. And I don't know what that was, but there seems to be this really interesting space of living in tension. And I think that's where we're called to be as the church living today and moving today in the place where we are. Because let me tell you something, we're not going to win arguments. We're not going to be these people that have these amazing theological exposés that uh, an entire country comes to know Christ in. What I know to be true of history is that when the Spirit of the Lord shows up, people's eyes begin to be changed. And so we want to be a hungry church that just says, we're just longing for the Spirit of the Lord to show up so that people's lives can be changed. And what we recognize is that there's a lot of tension in that. And so as I think about all this stuff, in the last year, what has been so brilliant is I've watched God woo me back into these spaces through his kindness. And we're beginning to see little first fruits of like his, the Holy Spirit just showing up in really powerful ways in our midst. There was a bunch of folks that showed up yesterday out in that door, right out those door, that door in that space that were just praying uh, and learning what it is to pray for others. We were actually practicing what it is to be prophetic, catching hearts God for and towards another person. And so in the last year, I've just noticed some really key movements of what it is to grow in the prophetic. And the first thing is this. Um, I feel like God has restored his goodness and like it's been a choice to recognize that no matter what tension or what issue I see in front of me, I never forget that God is good. And so a lot of us, it's like, and that's an easy thing to think when, when we're in really good spaces or spaces when things aren't that hard. It's like, oh yeah, God is good. But it becomes a huge challenge when we experience hardship, when we experience loss, when we experience difficulty, and then we have to make that choice to say, I know what I'm seeing right now, but that's not, that's not, that's not what God longs for. He, he is good and his goodness and he's for me. And that is where I begin from. Another thing that I've noticed is I've noticed his kindness. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, well, yesterday, Tim had us praying through some prompts and it was basically just confession. And one of the things we were confessing different things like, Lord, I'm sorry for the times when I've given into this, this, and this. And we just started naming things, you know, like shame. And um, I said the word self-pity and it came out of my mouth and it hit me like a ton of bricks. Anyone ever have a place like that where like you speak something out of your mouth and you're like, holy smokes, that had a lot of power over me. And it was, in, it was in that moment to realize in the last year, God has been slowly like destroying this like self-pity thing within my life to the point where like now I'm seeing it in other people where it's like you're beginning to notice that even in the midst of all the hard stuff that's happening, like as God heals you, you begin to see that in other people. And so I'm grateful that what has happened in that is I'm noticing his kindness that 
you know, it's been 40 years since I've been born until I am right now. And yet in all this time, God has been, he's done the slow work of building me into, of helping me to wake up to the reality of who I am as a child of God. And another thing that's been a really key moment for me um, is just a few weeks ago, Ben and I were down at our Ecclesia National Gathering. We're part of a beautiful network of churches. Some of you may know that, some of you may not. We're part of the Ecclesia Network. Uh, we're a bunch of church plants that, uh, and churches that really don't have a home, or it's like our tribe. Does that make sense? Like, these are just people that get us. And so Ben and I were down there, and it's like what God is doing in our community is what God is doing across our network. And so we heard some amazing stories. One of our, one of our, one of the friends of Ecclesia, his, he had scoliosis growing up um, all his entire life. And he went to a conference and he came down front and uh, his son was like, Hey dad, let's go down front. They're praying for healing. And so they go down front and his son had something. And so the guy's praying, he's like, people are being slain in the spirit. All this stuff's happening all around me. And, um, and the guy up front's like, Hey, I feel like God's healing someone from scoliosis. And if you guys know our friend, Jeff, like Jeff is, I've never known Jeff to talk this way. And he's like, and so I'm like, oh, that's really cool. You know, he's like, we kind of go back. And he's like, I'm in the, I'm in the, the bathroom that night brushing my teeth with my shirt off because it was hot. And I, I just stop. He's like, I stop. And I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, Sid, get in here. And so Sid comes running in and his back, which was crooked, was made fully straight. And it's like, here's the thing that's amazing is, right, like, I've known Jeff for quite a few years. Jeff and Sid were the first Ecclesia folks outside of Renew that really, like, cared for Mary and I. And we just, like, we love these people dearly. But for Jeff to say, like, guys, like, God healed my back. Like, it was, it was one of those moments where I was struck with the fact that God is so good, and I don't even know how to respond to that. And so it was amazing. But then he said that, you know, the part that's even crazier is now that my back was straight, I was in constant pain because all my ligaments and muscles were being stretched in ways like they've never been stretched before. And it was a full year. And he said, I was at another conference and um, he's like, we were walking out and this weird guy comes up and comes up and says, hey, I feel like I need to pray for you. Are you in pain? He goes, no, I'm not in pain. And Sid slaps him and she's like, Jeff, you're in pain all the time. He's like, oh, yeah. But the pain just became so normal. And so, you know, praise for, you know, Lord, I just pray you heal this guy of pain. And then literally like the next day he wakes up and he's like, guys, I haven't been in pain for like months now. And so it's like these amazing stories of seeing what God is doing around us and just realizing like he's up to stuff. And so there's like this part that I think we've been trained where like we have, uh, we have part of our mind that's like God can't, like God can do anything. And there's this other part where it's like, well, God's limited. And I don't know where that comes from, like maybe just life. But I, I, I want to see the God's limitations, like, fall. And I realize there's a lot of stuff in me that I need to begin to, like, work on. Another really quick story. I have two more stories. One's mine, and one I'm going to have someone else come up and share. Um, but at the Ecclesia gathering, and this is something we've been actually practicing a bit as elders, is we will sit and we'll listen, and when we pray for someone, we'll just listen and wait to hear a word from the Lord for the person. And it's been so amazing to watch how God has just been speaking to people as we've just stopped and listened. And so someone was leading us through a time like, hey, I just want everyone just to, you know, just bow their heads, close their eyes, and just ask the Holy Spirit, is there someone, is there a name, that, that you know, spirit that, that you have for us to just, just to pray for? And so I'm sitting there, and it's like, the Lord very clearly was like, Kevin. I was like, okay, Kevin. <clears throat> just met Kevin, don't really know Kevin all that much. And, um, you know, of course, as most like bait and switch things happen, um, 
you know, she's like, hey, if anyone, the alert person leading was like, if anyone had like had a name and it came pretty clear, like, I just want you to stand up. And so like maybe 20 of us stand up in the room and um, she's like, let's celebrate that. Like the spirit speaking and we're seeing that. And I love how natural it was. Like, don't, this is not weird. This is like super natural. And what's so beautiful about that is she's, and then she goes, well, you know, since you heard that, if that person's room, why don't you go lay hands on that person? And so, you know, I walk over to Kevin and I just put my hand on Kevin. She's like, and just ask the Lord if he has a word for this, for this person. So I've got my hand on Kevin's, you know, back and I'm just sitting there quietly. And um, like, if any of you have ever been around folks like that, you know, you think like really big stuff, you know, like you're going to be something, you know, like all this wild stuff. All, and like, I'm sitting there for like four minutes and people are praying around him. And the Lord's like, just tell Kevin, I see you. And I'm like, Lord, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, really? Like, what are we playing hide and seek here? And like, I, I'm like fussing with the Lord over this. And I'm like, and I look at Kevin and, you know, I'm like, I'm like, Kevin. So I just feel like God just, he's telling you, I see you, Kevin. And then you just see Kevin's shoulder slump and he just starts to cry. And so, you know, some other folks pray. And at the end, a few minutes afterwards, he opens up his journal he said, things I need from the Lord. And the first thing is, I see you, Kevin. And it's like one of those moments when you recognize, like, God is still speaking. Like, he's still healing. He, he's never gotten tired of this stuff. Renew. And this is like, this is freaky. We don't know how to get, like, I don't really know how to get us to, like, begin to press into that more. But I, I just sense we just need to keep pressing in. And here's what I know. We're going to find discouragement along the way. We're going to find distraction along the way. It's going to be painful. It's going to be difficult. But at the same time, I can't think of if Jesus is standing in front of these 12 kids, some not that old, some fishermen, some engineers, some stay-at-home moms, some people that work in the creative industry, some people that are social workers or counselors, pastors, um, you name it, people who are on dialysis pretty much for their full-time job at the moment. Jesus says, like, these words echo through time, and they come to us today. So I want to have, uh, we're going to share another story, and I'm going to lead us through a time of prayer. And so Kelly, can I call you up? Kelly blew my mind last week at house church. Um, I'm really fortunate to be in house church with Kelly. Um, my, and even beyond that, Kelly and Joel have just been a blessing. My, my kids who have had the chance of being watched by them say things like, you know, dad, uh, when I grew up, I hope I have a marriage like Kelly and Joel. And I'm like, me too, me too. So anyways, um, I think what's so cool is like, that's, that's my story with Kevin. And I feel like Kelly has a really, a really cool story of how she's growing in the prophetic as well. Yeah, so along the lines of what we're talking about, um, I'm a physical therapist, so I work in healthcare and I work in the neuro rehab setting. So I'm working on rehabilitation with people who've had brain injuries and spinal cord injuries, stroke, um, anything to do with the brain or the spinal cord. And so, um, yeah, I've felt this tension. That's a really good word to describe it, but a tension um, between 
what, how I operate, the realm that I operate in at work um, versus in, you know, my faith community. And what I mean by that is when I'm at work, I, I think and I develop my plans and my expectations and my goals based on biology and the laws of physiology and, um, you know, how I learn things to be and being realistic, I guess, is what I call it in my head. But then, you know, I'll go to Tuesday night prayer and like pray for God to like supernaturally heal someone's back pain. And, and I believe it and I see fruit. And for the longest time, I, I just there was this divide. And so a while ago, I started praying that God would just open a door between the two. I wasn't anywhere near like you know, being ready to pray for someone or I don't know. I just wanted my heart to be open to it. I guess it just felt like there was two different things happening. And that was really hard. Cause I, I mean, I work with people all day who are dealing with really crappy stuff and, and there's just all these limitations it feels like. But anyway, I, I have a patient, um, he had a spinal cord injury four years ago, I didn't know him then, and um, it wasn't traumatic, um, but um, he basically, it was complete. So that means that he was completely paralyzed from around the thoracic level where his injury was down. There was no sensory, no motor, nothing. Um, and so he was diagnosed as complete, which means, you know, all connection between his brain and his lower limbs was gone. Um, and so in neuroscience, you kind of give people around six months to a year to kind of see if maybe some inflammation will clear up um, and maybe some connections will be restored that way. Um, but it had been four years. And um, so he used a wheelchair. He didn't have anything. Um, and so in September, um, we started walking. So um, he got muscles activation and, and strength back and um, no one really knows why and he doesn't know why and um, we're still working at it, you know, um, but I, that is not something that can be explained, you know, and so I've gotten to enter into some amazing conversations with him and um, even more so um, my coworkers and um, I've just developed this prayer for him now. He's on my, my list, you know, that we made and I've gotten to share my prayer for him for with so many people. And um, so anyway, I just, I just feel like that door's being open and um, I know we have this tension, but I really feel like um, God can open that door for us. So um, I think we need to pursue it and we need to persist in it. And it's hard and it's messy. And as much as I've seen him, I've seen so many other people that I've prayed for, you know, not be healed yet. But um, we need to keep persisting and God's working. So, yeah, that's... Thank you so much, Kelly. Yeah. <clears throat>
But again, there is a tension of living into this. And I think that's what we're trying to say. That's what I hope I'm speaking today. And I know a lot of you are thinking, yeah, I have friends who have not seen what they've longed for and, and, and all of this. And, and, I, and I hear that. And that's why I'm not saying just have more faith, right? That's kind of normally the thing. Well, just have more faith. No, it's just we just keep persisting. We live out of the space that God is good and he's for us. And I think when we begin to do that, what happens is it just begins to change the atmosphere. Like people begin to come to the church. People came to Jesus not because he was just a really nice guy, but because of his faith, because of his connection with the Father. And what, what, I'm, what I'm pretty sure of is that when we decide to live into that tension, we are making a declaration that God is good no matter what we see. And I think in a, in a culture, in a climate where we feel like what we see is how crappy things are, we see people ripping things up on television. We see people being angry towards one another all the time. The world needs a new narrative. And that narrative is that God is good and he's in control. That God calls us outside of our little tents to look up so that we can enter into a world wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, ready for wonder and awe. And so we bring, we begin and we bring God's goodness wherever we go. And so Renew, I'm pretty sure that Living in the prophetic means that we live in a posture where we recognize God's goodness and that we begin to speak that even when we don't see it. It sounds a lot like declaring truth over other people. And I've decided that I think the prayer of the prophet and the prayer of the prophetic, and I hope the prayer of our church, is what Jesus taught us to pray when he says, on earth as it is in heaven. And we know that that's not perfectly worked out yet because we can look around and we see the things on earth that we know it's not like that in heaven. But as we begin to live in a space where, where we feel like we want to trust that when Jesus calls the 12 to move in power and authority, that we are actually recognizing that we're living into that prayer on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. And so friends, I just want to read this passage as a prayer over you. And I realize that there's a lot of tension and there's probably more questions and there's things that just feel unanswered, but I want to just invite us to suspend those things and to trust that maybe God's up to something in this. To trust that, that Jesus 2,000 years ago spoke these words to 12 people who are probably just as living in the tension freaked out and kind of unsure about all this thing as we are today. But I just ask that you close your eyes and just receive this um, as a call on your life as well. So Jesus called the renewed community together and he gave them power and authority over the demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, nor bread, and ever, whatever house you enter, stay there and leave from there. Whatever they, whenever they do not welcome you, as you are leaving, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. They departed and went through the villages, bringing the good news and curing diseases everywhere. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, Lord, this is a hard teaching, I, I sense, for many of us. And Lord, I just pray that you would give us um, wisdom and discernment as we, as we press into this. 
And Lord, also that we would be people that just celebrate the good things that are happening around us, that, that we be people that aren't afraid to pray the hard things, but we're also not afraid to sit in the tension. And so, Lord, as we are a community that continues to say we want to grow in what it is to be empowered by the Spirit, may we not be afraid. And so in the name of Jesus, I just declare no fear in this community. I just pray that you would embolden our faith, that you would help us to be a people that trust you because you are good. No matter what we see, you are good. No matter what comes down the street, you are good. No matter what difficulty comes ahead, you are good. Your goodness is not negated by the bad things that we see around us. Help us to to be people that are agents of the kingdom, that are praying and living into the reality that that it is on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to be people that fearlessly proclaim what we long to see, what your heart is for the earth in which we live as it is in heaven. So Father, thank you for this time that we have together. Thank you for calling us as your disciples to live into this reality. And Lord, I just pray that you would, you would clear roads in our hearts that would help us to continue to press in to what you have, Lord. In your name we pray, amen. I wanna ask that you would stand with me and as we respond to our good uh, Father in a time of worship through song. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.